many is thankful for what God's doing in this place? I feel God this morning. I know that, like they've said, we're few in numbers, but you know what? All that matters is that God is here. All that matters because that's who we're here for, right? That's who we're here to honor, and that's who we're here to worship. I was back there worshiping, and I was thinking about just listening to the songs. And, you know, the last two songs we sung, it says, He's the name above all names. And then the song before that says, He knows me by name. And then I was reminded yesterday as I was praying, I told God, God, the fact that you know my name. And as, we, as I began to put those little things together, I thought, we serve a God above all gods. We serve a God whose name is above all names, and yet he knows us by name. And so I'm honored and, and thankful that I get to serve a God who knows me by name. And so this morning, I'm excited about the word that the Lord has given me, if you'll stand. I believe that I have a word that if we will grab a hold... And we would apply it to our lives. Things will turn around in our lives. I'm honored, as always, to, to get to speak. Um, as we know, our pastor and his wife and, and uh, some of our other family, Nicholas and, and Caitlin, are all on vacation. And we do. We hope they have the best time ever. I hope they get to relax and, and enjoy themselves and just really rest this week and so that is my prayer for them but my prayer for you this morning is that you'll open your ears to what God is saying to us and in Ruth starting in chapter 1 I'm going to be like Pastor Sean today I don't normally read this many verses but I feel that I need to 6 through 18 and I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation they'll have it on the screen And it says, Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them crops again. So Naomi and her daughter-in-laws got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland with her two daughter-in-laws, set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judea. But on that day, Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go back to your mother's home, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. Verse 10, No, they said, We want to go to your people. But Naomi replied, Why would you go with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters. Return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it is possible that I were to marry tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist Against me. And again they wept together, and Orpha kissed her mother in law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, Look, Naomi said to her sister in law, has gone back to her people, to her God. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. 
Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more if you'll bow your heads. Father, we thank you for who you are this morning. God, I'm asking, Lord, that you hide me behind your cross, God. God, that every word that comes from my mouth, Lord, be ordained by you, Father. God, I'm asking, Lord, that you open the ears and the hearts of those in this building, God, those watching by live stream. God, I'm asking, Lord, that we take this word and, Lord, we apply it to our lives, Lord. God, you do exactly what you want to do in this place, Lord, and we'll never fail to give you praise. Amen. You can be seated. As I began to think about this message, I actually was mowing this week because, as Dwight tells you, I like the grass short. And the fact that um, when we mowed before we left on our vacation, it had been over a week, so I felt the need that it needed to be mowed again, and we had just mowed Sunday, which it did. I got lots of grass, so it served its purpose. But I told the Lord, I felt this stirring on the inside of me, and and, and Pastor Sean had actually mentioned to Dwight a few months ago that, you know, he would be gone and need to, to minister. And, and so um, I just felt this stirring. And so I told the Lord, I said, God, if you want me to minister, then you give me a word. And so as I was mowing and, and, and just pondering and thinking about the Lord, I uh, was sitting the next morning, and I was sitting and drinking my coffee. And I was, began to read this scripture during my time with God. And I felt the Lord put in my heart, the title of this message would be, Don't Be an Orpha. Don't be an Orpha. You know, I know there's lots of messages and books wrote on Ruth, and there's lots of good things, and, and the story of Ruth is absolutely amazing. And, and I love the story of Ruth, but I want us to use the, the story of Ruth this morning to see what can happen when we follow God and His plan. You see, not only does Ruth complete in a hard assignment from God, but what I love is that she was used by God to shape an entire generational line. When you think about the task that she took on, when we look back at the beginning of Ruth, the book of Ruth begins with a man by the name of Emelech and a woman, Naomi. You see, they lived in this town called Bethlehem, we all know, and, and severe famine had come upon the land. And so they had decided that they were going to pack themselves up, them and their two sons, and they were going to, hand to a, uh, head to a city called Moab. You see, sometime after they settled there, Moab, in Moab, Emelec dies. And there Naomi is left with her two sons. You see, the Bible tells us that her two sons marry Moabite women. One was named Orpha, the other named Ruth. Ruth. And you see, the Moabites and the Israelites typically didn't get along. They didn't get along. Not only what did they not get along, but they didn't um, have the same religious beliefs. You see, they were completely different. And actually, the Moabite religious beliefs was actually very cruel to women during that time. So for an Israelite and a Moabite to get married was very, very uncommon. But 10 years after they marry, her sons married, now they've died. Now her sons are dead. 
See, the Bible doesn't give us a timeline of when all of this is taking place, except that her sons died 10 years after being married, is what the word tells us. But the crazy thing is, as you read this, all of this takes place just in the first four verses of Ruth. So now, just like that, here stands Naomi, Orpha, and Ruth. Life has been forever changed. You know, there's times in our lives when we face things and we go through things and we take a step back and it feels like life has been forever changed, right? You see, and for Naomi, this was a game changer because back in her time, your name, her family, your husband was everything. You see, a woman's family is what defined her. You know, so many of us wear so many hats, male or female, we wear so many hats and so many things define us by what we do as a living, where, how, where we live, what we, what we, unfortunately, some people like to define us by what we drive or the house we live in, but the titles of our jobs or this or that, whether a mother, we a father, we're an aunt, we're an uncle, we're a grandparent, there's so many different hats we wear, wear that define who we are. You see, so here, she, we wear all these hats, but Naomi had lost everything. What defined her was gone. You see, and what she had decided to do, Naomi decided, I'm turning around. I'm going back. What was back? It's what is familiar. You see, she was going back, and so Naomi tells the girls, pack your bags, we're leaving. Pack it all up, ladies. We're out of here. Why? Because sometimes that's the easiest thing to do when we walk through a difficult situation. Our natural instinct is to flee to the familiar, to begin to pack our stuff and say, let me go back to where I was. Let me go back to what is comfortable. Let me go back to what is familiar that I know. You see, familiar is comfortable for us, but so for Naomi, fleeing to Bethlehem was familiar. It was comfortable. But see, it wasn't familiar for Orpha and Ruth. This was going to be a new place. It's different. Strange, scary, unfamiliar place that they both were going to go to. But both of them at this point in verse 10 said, no, we're going with you. They would accepted the challenge. And sometimes it's easy when we're in church, when the power of God is moving. And if there's ever a time that we need the power of God, it's now in our churches. But when, it's, when the power of God's moving and the service is hyped and everything feels really good, that it's, it's easy to say, no, God, I'm with you. God, I'll, t- I'll go where you want me to go. God, I'll send me wherever, Lord. But when the really, when the rubber hits the road and the things begin to feel unfamiliar and uncomfortable, we begin to backtrack a little. We begin to question, God, is this really what you want me to do? But they had decided we would accept the challenge. Naomi, we're with you, girl. We are going with you. But see, I read this statement that says, decision determines our destiny. The decisions to follow God and go where he wants us to go determines our destiny this morning. You see, it's easy to turn to what is familiar. It's easy to stay where we are comfortable. But when we allow ourselves to put what is comfortable 
and unfamiliar and pack our spiritual bags and follow him, we will begin to unlock destiny in our lives. So Naomi, Ruth, and Orpha all found themselves in this horrible situation. They're all alone. There's no one guiding them through this or giving them a how-to manual. See, we live in a world now that it's easy for us to, to get on. I'm, you know, we've got a plug that's gone out, and uh, we just spent money, $1,000, to get our air fixed before vacation. And, uh, and so we paid for it to be fixed, only for it not to really be fixed, because there's a switch that's really only going to cost us like $16. And uh, it's only going to take like two minutes to put on. Once it's up on a rack, a total of five minutes probably. And so um, we have this great thing called YouTube, right? So all we've got to do is we haven't done it yet, and hopefully we'll get someone else to do it. But we live in a world where we can YouTube everything. If this isn't working, we just fixed um, a heating element in our dryer, and we YouTubed it. Paused the video as we fixed it, rewinded the video, watched the video to put it back together, stop it, hang on, how did they do that? Redo it, okay, that's how we do it. But see, they didn't have this how-to manual. They didn't have this how-to manual of, God, where do we go from here? God, how do we get from point A to point B? There's no how-to manual for Naomi, Orpha, and Ruth. So they're all alone, and they're saying yes to this refinement in their life. What is a refinement? You see, a refinement is the process of removing impurities or unwanted elements from a substance. But for one of them, things are about to change, though. You see, unfortunately, we discount what God is doing because we are determined to go our own way. It's easier when we think, God, we've got this figured out, God. I've got a plan, Lord. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go here, and I'm going to go there. And, God, I've got this all figured out. But, see, we discount what God is doing when we determine we want to do it ourselves. When we determine that, God, we got bigger plans, God, I know exactly what I need to do, then we take God's hands off of the situation, and then we create bigger issues for ourselves. You see, how we walk through an assignment of refinement may determine your next assignment. How you decide to walk through the things that God is pulling out of you and drawing out of you and the impurities that, that, you're, that are being drawn out of you and, and going in a way God wants you to go may determine your next assignment. You see, Romans 8, 18 says, Yet we suffer now is not... What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. You may be going through some things right here, right now. You may be facing some hard things, hardships right here, right now. But I can promise you, when we allow the suffering, the things that we have to go through, it doesn't even begin to compare to the glory that he will begin to reveal to us later. So many times in our human mind, we ask God, God, what are you doing? God, I don't understand. And, 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 and in our minds, our human minds, we don't understand. But his plan is perfect. He knows exactly what he's doing and where he's taking us. See, that's Paul in, in Romans 8.8. 8. He's given us this word of wisdom and comfort about walking through the hard things of life. If there's anyone that walked through some hard things in life, Paul walked through some hard things in life. Paul writing 
chapters of the Bible while he's in prison. Paul writing to Timothy while he's in prison. I mean, he's in prison, but yet he's lifting God up. So many times some of us sit in our living rooms and in our nice houses and we're facing things. And, and, and don't get me wrong, there's things that hit us hard and there's things that it, some people may look at and say, that's not even worth, but to each their own. But we sit and we allow ourselves to get downtrodden and we allow ourselves to let the enemy beat us up when God has given us everything that we need. God is right there. All we've got to do is put it in his hands. You see, while things in our life may seem unfair, even ridiculous at times, or even just wrong, there's a perspective of of a coming glory. Because he says it's compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. It may seem so unfair, but there is a coming glory that through our suffering that will be revealed to us later. You see, if we quit, we might miss the opportunity to see God work through a difficult situation. And for Naomi, Ruth, and Orpha, it has come to a defining place. Here in Ruth 1.8, I read, she said to her daughter-in-law, go back to your mother's home. And may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husband and to me. See, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly why Naomi wanted them to go back. We know the Bible tells us she was bitter. The Bible doesn't give us this big, long detail of why was she telling them, just go back, just go back. But see that what she is telling them, though, Orpha, Ruth, flee back to what's familiar. Go back to what you know. Go back to what's comfortable for you. But see, in, in, in verse 10, they said no. They said, we want to go with you to your people. And then verse 11 through 14 says, but Naomi replied, why should you go with me? You still give birth to other sons who could grow up to, up to be your husbands. No, my daughters, return to your parents' home, for I am too old to marry again. And if it were possible I were to get married tonight and bear another son, would you wait? No. Obviously they wouldn't because they would be way too old for her child. No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter. Sometimes it's easier to, to enjoy the bitter that we feel in our life. Misery loves company, right? Sometimes it's easy to wallow in our mud. And sometimes it's easier to, to wallow when we're feeling down and, and want people to, misery loves company, to find those people that will, that will feel sorry for us, those people that will encourage us when we're down to continue being down. But see, the things are far more bitter for me than you because the Lord has raised his fist against me. And again, they wept together. It says they wept. And right here, Orpha kissed her mother-in-law. Goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. See, that's what the enemy's telling you to do. When we are facing hard times, when our back's against the wall, when it feels like the walls of life are just caving in our lives, when it seems like our family is falling apart, when the doctor's diagnosis is way too big for us, or what we're all facing right now with the big word COVID that's all around us, when it's easy, just flee to the familiar and just quit. Because, see, it was just easier for Orpha to go, okay, I'll return back because that's what you're telling me. It's easy when, when all everything's breaking loose and everything's falling apart just to flee and go back to the familiar. You see, but God is saying don't quit. 
don't flee. Our situation can either lead us to a greater dependency on God or they can cause us to detour away from God. Dwight said it Wednesday night, There, and it's sad, there's so many times that people face things, people go through things, but yet the last thing they want to do, it's easier for them to turn away from God than to get themselves in an altar and turn their face to God. I'm not sure what was running through Orphus' mind during this defining moment. I'm not sure. I don't know what, what made her go the way she did. The Bible doesn't, doesn't tell us. But she made her decision to go back with, obviously, with little, little hesitancy. She didn't hesitate. It did say that she had tears in her eyes. But she didn't hesitate. And it, when I think about what was going through her mind, I mean, Dwight shared with you guys what we had faced going on vacation with our car. And I will say, I can tell you what was going through our minds as we're on 59. We've been to Alabama several times, so we, you know, you know the different expressways and stuff that you have to get on. And, and we knew we needed to stay on 59. And so as we're traveling on 59, it tells us to get off this particular exit. It did not say Pell City. I don't even remember what it said. And both of us said, hang on, we've never gone this way before. You know, that's just it. So many times God has taken us away that we want to step back and say, hang on, God, you've not taken me this way before. And we want to stay on 59 where it's comfortable. But when you can get off the exit where God has taken you and you can begin to travel down a road that you don't even know where you're going, you don't know what's ahead. But I promise you God will show up and he will show out when you allow God to take you to the unfamiliar. But see, it didn't seem like it took Naomi needed much to do to say much to convince her to leave. You know, me and Dwight, we pulled over actually for a hot second right after we got off. And I said, he's like, are you sure? And I said, well, let me double check. Because what was going through our minds was, okay, are we going the right way? We have never went this way before. We have never traveled down this road before. But the lady was talking to us, so we went on. She was telling us to go. So what, I don't even know what my girl's name are. But we just kept going. But see, it didn't take much for Naomi to convince her to leave. The enemy, unfortunately, doesn't have to say much to be, for us to be an orpha. He doesn't have to say much for us to be an orpha. He doesn't have to say much to convince us to turn around and go back to the familiar, to go back to what we're comfortable with, to go back to what is confused, to what is lost, and how we're sure we could. Can we even stick this out? That's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to tell us you've lost so much. There's so much confusion. What will you do? But it doesn't take much to cause us to be an orpha. You see, to be confused and lost and not sure how we could possibly stick out what looks like a hopeless situation sometimes in our lives. Orpha was taking the comfortable path to go back to what was familiar. It's easy just to turn around and go back when you're comfortable with. But see, it's not easy when we can't see what the future holds. It's not easy when we can't truly see the promises of God being fulfilled in our life. When we feel like we can't even feel God. But I love how many of us know that I love the song, when we can't see him, he's working. Because there's not, and I was thinking about that as I was worshiping. It's not about a feeling for say. I want to feel God. That's the feeling I want. I want to 
feel him in this place. I want to know that he is here because I need to know that he is working on my behalf because I don't want to be an Orpha. You see, don't be an Orpha, but be a Ruth this morning. Naomi told Ruth, go follow Orpha, Ruth. Go with her. See, the enemy wants to tell you to follow the crowd, follow the world, go do this, go do that. Just like Naomi, Naomi meant well because she was bitter. She said, go with Orpha. Go live your life. But what did Naomi say? Or what did Ruth say? I'm sorry. Ruth said, don't ask me to leave you. Don't turn back and turn back. Wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. Whenever you die, I will die. And where you will be buried, I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allowed anything but death to separate us. That's pretty intense right there. To look at someone and say, where you go, I'll go. Where you die, I'll die. How many of us can truly say, God, where you go, I'll go. Where you die, I'll die. God, whatever you want me to do, God, I will go as far as you want me to go. And in verse 18, when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. See, Ruth said her piece, and Naomi said nothing more. It's time for some of us to put the enemy in his place as he tries to detour us. And when we began, and not that Ruth was being mean and being disrespectful to her mother-in-law or her elder, but she was saying, stop right there. You're not going to tell me I'm not going to go with you. And see, that's sometimes what we need to do with the enemy. When he comes in and he tries to fill our mind and our hearts with lies, that we say, stop right there. You're not going to say nothing more. That the enemy will know there's no sense in me saying nothing more because their mind is made up. You see, Ruth's mind was made up. When he tries to get us to be an Orpha, the enemy, and to turn from our assignments from God, that's what he wants to do. He tries to talk in our ear, and he tries to get us to be an Orpha and turn away from our assignments that God has planned for our lives. But see, this whole thing was nothing but a setup for Ruth. Ruth, chapter 2, verse 2 says, One day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. As I was beginning to do some study and I found that gathering the leftover grain was a right that the widows had in the Jewish community. You see, back in Leviticus 19, 9 through 10 says, when you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of the fields. And do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every bunch of grapes from the vines and do not pick the grapes that fall on the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. You see, the poor and the widows would come behind the wheat gatherers and they would pick up any leftovers that are left on the edges of the field. It wasn't an easy job. It wasn't a highly favored position. But see, it was a God position that he put Ruth in. 
what looks like sometimes a position that nobody wants to be in, when it looks like a position that's not highly ranked, when it looks like it's a position that you're in that it looks like God is failing you. But see, it's a position that when we allow God to put us right there, God begin, can begin to use that position. God can begin to use that place to put us in a place that he wants us. You see, Ruth could have stepped to what was familiar. She could have went with Orpha and turned around and went with what she knew was familiar. But instead, Ruth chose the unfamiliar place. Just like Ruth, you and I have to step into the unfamiliar. What feels unnatural, what doesn't feel comfortable. As we got off the exit, wasn't off that exit, it wasn't comfortable. It wasn't familiar. Not that we live in Alabama new, but we knew somewhat of where we were going. We only had her on to detour us from traffic. And, and so it was unfamiliar. And we begin to second guess the, the computer telling us where to go. And sometimes we second guess where God is taking us. Sometimes we second guess the plan that God has in our lives because we want to listen to the enemy. We want to listen to people in our lives. But God's plans are bigger than our plans. You see, Proverbs 19, 21 says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. So now Ruth has found herself in a perfect situation. It didn't look perfect. It didn't look like a perfect situation. Ruth 2, chapter 3 says, so Ruth went to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Imelech. You see, God put her in a field owned by a wealthy man by the name of Boaz. God put her there, not no man, but God. You see, what looks like a field to be picked of leftovers, doing a job that's not highly favored by a man, oh, but God. Oh, but God, that he placed her in a place that was not, that man says, leave that for the poor, leave that for the widow, leave that for the foreigners that are among you. So many times the enemy's saying, you've been left behind, and they don't even know you're there. They don't know you do this. They don't know you do that, and you've been forgotten about, but God is saying, oh, but I've got you in a position that I'm ready to use you. I've put you in a position. All you've got to do is say, God, here I am. I'm ready to go to the unfamiliar. You see, all because Ruth said no to the familiar and yes to the unfamiliar. We all know that moment or- Orpha turned around, she was about to miss out. Orpha had no clue that the moment she turned around, what was ahead of Naomi and Ruth. So Orpha did what felt right and went back to the familiar. The enemy wants you to be an Orpha and turn around and to the familiar and miss what God has for you. Miss the plans that he has for you. Some are in the mindset that following Jesus means that it's all going to be this bed of roses and it's going to be easy and it's going to be comfortable and it's going to be clear. But when we're following the plan of God, he never said it would be easy. It wasn't easy for him. I tell my girls all the time, we're going to face persecution. We're going to face things. We're going to face times when people will make fun. Jesus himself faced those same very things. Why are we exempt from it? He himself was made fun of. He himself was was talked about. He himself was was put on trial. He himself, why would you be and I be any better that we wouldn't face those same things? But see, the one thing we know is that he will always make a way for us. 
Had Ruth done what was easy to turn around and went back? Had Ruth been an Orpha and done what was easy and turn around and went back, Ruth would have never married Boaz. She would have never made a way. God would have never been able to make a way for her and Naomi the way that he did. She would have never met her Boaz. She would have never been able to become, um, had she not been obedient to the plan of God, she would have never given birth to her first son by the name of Obed. And you know what I love? What I said at the beginning. A whole generational line. Because Obed was Jesse's father. And Jesse was David's father. That stirs something on the inside of me. Because what would have happened if, if Ruth would have never went? She would have never met Boaz. And would David ever been here? Would, would Jesse ever been here? Would any of that ever take a, a whole generational line? And so many times the enemy tries to tell you they don't need you. You don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. But there's a whole generational line that's counting on you. That's counting on me for us to not be an Orpha and to turn back to what's familiar and to go forward like Ruth did. If they'll come to the music. We started this year off reading a book that Pastor Sean had, had given us called Uncomfortable. And it's talking about an uncomfortable church. You know, talking about doing things, being uncomfortable. Because how many know, and I, I loved the book, and I think most of the staff can agree, the book was so good because it, it, pushes, it pushes you. It's easy to want to do church like we've always done church. It's easy want to to say, well, if I want God to do what he did back then, and, and by God, I, I do. I want God to do what he did back then, but I want him to do it even greater. I don't want to repeat the same things. The presence and the anointing will never change, but the moves that he does will all, can always be different because he'll move. He just is amazing to us. He does what he wants, and we just get to be along the journey. But as we, read this, as we read this book, and I thought about this book during my study, I'm realizing that we're living in a rental. A lot of people, it all just happened so fast. There's some people that still don't even know that we sold our house. and I don't even know that I sold my house. Uh, it happened so fast. I mean, literally, we put it on the market Friday the 23rd, and it was under contract in two and a half days. But to say that this transition has been easy, I would lie. I realized as I was studying and, and, and praying yesterday that this is a process that I'm going through. There's been a process. Another message for another time. But it's been a process that... It's not been easy. I'm in the unfamiliar. Um, but it doesn't mean that God isn't there. You see, we don't know what come about Orpha's life once she went back. But I can promise you one thing. What she went back to is nothing compared to where God was going to take her. What she reverted back to the familiar it doesn't even compare to what God had in store for her. No matter what was back there, nothing compared to what God brought 
to Naomi and to Ruth. See, I read this and I thought it was so good. The space between where we are and where we want to be is called potential. And then we see something that has the potential for opposition. It's always an opportunity for God to reveal himself. If you'll stand. You see, the space between where we are and where we want to be is called potential. Luke 16, verse 10, says, If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So many times we find ourselves saying, God, you've only given me this little thing to do, or I only do this and I want to do that, God. But God's saying, if you can't be faithful to that small thing, how can I give you something bigger? If you can't be faithful to whatever it may be, how can I give you something bigger? You see, when we have been given an assignment by God, we're given an opportunity to either go through it or grow through it. I'm growing through some things right now. I'm growing. I'm not just going. I'm growing. But either way, we have to make a decision this morning. We have to make a decision in our life. Will I be an Orpha or will I be a Ruth? Will I choose to turn around and go back to what's familiar or will I go to the unfamiliar places? Maybe you're saying this morning, I've been an Orpha. I've stopped and I've went back. But let me remind you what the word tells us in Joel 2.25. It says, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust. He says, I will restore those things. I will give you back those things. So, so many times the enemy wants to beat us down with, well, you missed it. You missed it. You've, you know, you've already lost that. That train, you know, done loaded and went by. But how many knows we serve a God that says, I'll give it back to you. I'll give it all back to you. All you've got to do is step into the unfamiliar and leave what's familiar. All you've got to do is trust me and say, God, here I am. God, send me where you want me to go. It's never too late for God to change and restore the brokenness in our lives, no matter how much hopelessness we feel is there. If you'll bow your heads. Father, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. God, we glorify you and we magnify you, Lord. God, we give you all the praise, God, because you are worthy of the praise this morning, Father. So, God, do what you want in this place. You have your way, God, in this altar call, God. With every head bowed, I never want to, even if I feel confident, I never want to say to leave out an opportunity for someone to give their life to Christ. So I first want to say if there's, is there, are you in here this morning? Are you watching by live stream and you say, I don't know this God you're talking about that Orpha went the other way and Ruth followed. I don't know this God that has all these promises if, that you're talking about. Or maybe you're in here, you're watching by live stream and you say, you know what? I've been falling away from God. I've fallen away from the one that saved me. I've fallen away from the one that turned my life around. If that's you, would you lift your hand and say, that's me. 
I don't know God or I've fallen away from God. The second thing is, as every head is bowed, how many in here can say, I've been an orpha before? By the uplifting of your hand, I've been an orpha before. I've turned on the plan of God before. I've not trusted God the way that I should have before. And I've found hope in myself before. I know I have. I know I have tried to do it my way. So this morning, as they begin to play, I'm going to ask that every person would come and begin to say, God, let me learn to not be an Orpha and to become a Ruth and to learn to that to accept the unfamiliar and not just accept the familiar.